You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning. Welcome to Vineyard Community Church at Mount Comfort. My name is Rick Francis, and I'm the pastor here. It's a joy to be with you today. It's a, it's a cloudy day here in Indiana. Uh, I think our high is going to hit maybe 60. Uh, it's, it's kind of fall has arrived. I want to take you back to one of my forefathers from the Methodist denomination, John Wesley. In October 6th, that's two days from now, but the year was 1774, a long time ago. Here's what John Wesley, one of his quotable quotes, he spoke on elections. He said, I met those of our society who had votes in the ensuing election, and I advised them. So here's the advice of the founding father of of Methodism. One, to vote without fee or reward for the person they judged most worthy. Mm -hmm. So don't let your vote be bought. Don't don't go a certain way because somebody's paying you to vote for Fred. Number two, speak no evil of the person they voted against. He advised his people to speak no evil of the person that they did not vote for. A lot of forgiveness today. It's available. And three, to take care their spirits were not sharpened against those that had voted on the other side. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, a word to the wise is sufficient. But let's make sure that uh, we go through this time and we do it with Christ in our hearts and treat every human being with the dignity that they deserve. Well, this morning as we're looking and finishing up Jesus's prayer in John 17, we're hitting this whole theme of oneness. And I thought, how interesting that I'm gonna talk about oneness in a pandemic, uh, 2020, when there is more disconnectedness than we probably ever experienced as far as being able to gather and be with one another. But that's what we're going for. That's one of the reasons why we have the daily connections. Every week we gather together and we uh, record those. Mike Mulvaney does such a wonderful job in getting those uh, edited and presented and then distributed. So every day, Monday through Friday at 11 o'clock on our website, you can get the daily connection. And uh, we've had all sorts of wonderful times of, of praying for people. This last week, we, we lifted up uh, the Newell family. This is the fourth anniversary of John Newell's passing. It was the 30th of September. And so we prayed for Karen and for John's mom and brothers and sisters and all of those that John touched. And this is a good way to stay connected so that we remember everything that's taking place. That's one of the ways that we pursue oneness. Now we look in this chapter at the end of Jesus' farewell discourse of John 14, 15, 16, he prays in chapter 17, right before his arrest in John 18. And the last prayer and the last part of the last prayer, I think is really, really important. This is where he zeroes in and he's praying for us. 
My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and they will continue and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that we have a record of Jesus's prayer. And I pray, Lord, that you would release a supernatural enabling grace for us to truly hear, see, embrace, and receive all that he has prayed for us. May we have an amen in our heart, Lord. And may we open ourselves in such a way as the realities that he's praying and interceding in our behalf, may they be a reality in our lives. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Oneness. Jesus prays that they may all be one. That they may all be one. Not only his disciples that he prayed for earlier that we've already looked at, but now he's praying for all those that are going to believe as a result of their message, of what they proclaim into the earth. And now he wants all to be one. Now that sounds like a tall order. What kind of oneness is that oneness? Well, he repeats it several times, but he's talking about a oneness that isn't a cookie cutter, manufactured, stamped template that just puts out imitations, replicas, but the oneness that comes as a result of his presence being in us and our presence being in him. And, and as, he, as he goes through this, he, all through, through this prayer, he's, he's talking about, Father, as I am in you and you are in me, I am in them and they are in me and they are in us. And I don't know all the mathematical wizards that love to do transitivity, transitivity twice. I just loved it in, in high school. And it's like, okay, Jesus is in the Father. The Father is in Jesus. Jesus comes to the earth, reveals the Father. He reveals the Father to us as a result of us believing that Jesus was sent by the Father. That releases something that allows Jesus to come within us. And when Jesus comes within us, guess who he brings? The Father. And so now we have this whole dynamic of in that is part of what oneness is all about. Oneness is not about us all looking the same. 
Otherwise, you'd all have to shave your heads. But it's about who is in us and whom are we in. So it has, has an interesting little preposition in that's the whole foundation of knowing what it means to be one. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm getting a little excited. Mm -hmm. And here we find that the purpose of the oneness is so that the world will know that, that the Father has sent the Son. And he tells us also that the purpose of oneness, the purpose of him being in us and us being in him is so that we can be one as they are one. Now, can anybody understand and comprehend how Jesus and God the Father are one? Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay, so that means that Jesus and the oneness that he had with the Father was a oneness that when you saw what Jesus did, you could see what the Father was doing as well. Why? Because Jesus said that he would only do what he sees the Father doing. And so Jesus, as he, as he act and moved and lived, he was doing it in direct relation of the oneness that in the Father and the Father in him dynamic of oneness that manifested in how he lived. It also manifested in how he spoke. I only speak what I hear the Father speaking. And so as the oneness of the Father in Christ and Christ in the Father, as he hears what Father's saying, he releases it to the earth and it has the effect. And so now the earth is receiving the love of the Father, the words of the Father, the actions of the Father. And now Jesus says, because you guys have believed in all of this, now you are invited. The, the mood is optative that they may be one. It's an invitation. You can still be your own stinking self if you want to be, but you've been invited into oneness with God the Father and God the Son. In a minute, I'll show you, and God the Holy Spirit. We've been invited into the community of the Godhead to be one with them as they are one with each other. Anybody's brains just kind of exploding right now? How in the world does this happen? Glad you asked that. If you read your Jesus calling this morning, you might have a, a clue. Just cracked me up when I got up and read Jesus calling this morning. I thought, oh, this goes right along with oneness. Here's what Jesus has to say. I am the creator of heaven and earth, Lord of all that is and all that will ever be. Although I'm unimaginably vast, I choose to dwell within you, permeating you with my presence. Now here's the key. Only in the spirit realm could someone so infinitely great live within someone so very small. Mm. Be awed by the power and the glory of my spirit within you. Though the Holy Spirit is infinite, he deigns to be your helper. He is always ready to offer assistance. All you need to do is ask. When the path before you looks easy and straightforward, you may be tempted to go it alone instead of relying on me. 
This is when you are in the greatest danger of stumbling. Ask my spirit to help you as you go each step of the way. Never neglect this glorious source of strength within you. Now, I know that uh, sometimes we, we just get our circuits blown when we're trying to comprehend how does the infinite God abide inside me? I don't have a trouble really me abiding in him because he's a whole lot bigger. I wouldn't take off a whole lot of space in, in his presence, but he would fill and absolutely overflow in every part of my life. Anybody get in the picture? No. That's the way the overflowing, the abundant life is supposed to be. Out of you will spring rivers, streams of living water. It comes from the overflow of the Almighty One living within us. So this is the point that Jesus is trying to really bring to us in his final prayer as he's praying for his disciples and then for us. He says, the key to oneness is glory. And he says, Father, the, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them. The glory that I had before the foundation of the world, the glory before time started, before time began, the glory that I had, the preexistent glory of Christ, I have now given to my disciples. Do you get that? Do you feel it? This morning as the worship team was kind of getting their fingers limbered and their voices loosened and all that, they were singing just an incredible song. And as I was praying over the sanctuary, I got over to this corner and the glory just fell. And it was just like a tangible manifestation of the presence of the Lord. And I was just stuck. It was just like, it stopped me in my tracks. And that's the kind of experiences that we should have. Do we get to have them all the time? I think that's, that's the design. But we oftentimes don't have that, but we should be having them a little more frequently. And part of the joy is knowing that what, what you experience, you're going to experience in an increasing manner. Because the glory that's been given to us is His glory. It's the glory of the Father. It's the glory of the Son. It's the glory of the Holy Spirit. It manifests His presence there's a splendor and a radiance and there's a tangible dimension to it. Sometimes it overwhelms us physically and emotionally. Other times it just has a deep, quiet, peaceful impact in our spirit. But it's the awareness of his presence. It's his glory. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says that we're supposed to go from one degree of glory to another degree, an ever-increasing glory. So we have, we have a foundation of understanding that when we have those moments where his presence is just overwhelming, get used to it. Welcome more of it. Ask him for it, especially in those moments when it feels so flat and so dry and so lost. It's like eating sawdust. And you just say, Lord, I, I need the stream of living water flowing because I need a drink. His glory is, is absolutely amazing. 
So out of oneness is the manifestation of God in the earth. <laughs> I often say that the greatest gospel you ever preach is going to be the message of oneness. And one of the ways in which I apply that is in the relationship of a husband and wife. As I'm doing premarriage counseling with so many young couples and the joy of preparing them for a life covenant relationship, the thing that I'm so aware of for those that are believers that love Jesus and many of them that are going into ministry, I say your marriage is going to be the loudest gospel you'll ever proclaim because there's something about oneness that releases the glory of God in the earth. And when a man and a woman become one and they live in covenantal love, there should be a great proclamation to all those that gather, all those that, lives that they touch, that says, the amazing manifestation of God's image masculine and the amazing manifestation of God's image feminine, when they come together, there is a release, a representation of the full image of God in the earth. How does that work for the church? We're made up of brothers and sisters who love one another and the oneness of covenantal love is the thing that causes the world to behold what manner of love they have. It has a witness and a proclamation, a demonstration of the kingdom when we love one another. And I think that's why the enemy will, will use everything he can. And right now the political, the political realm is, is just so easy to split the body of Christ. And that's why we have to protect. We have to protect our love relationship. I've been dealing with some marriages and uh, some that have been married for decades and they've never protected their relationship with each other. Matter of fact, they're still striving and, and trying to figure out how to get as much out of the other person as they can instead of trying to protect the relationship. I'm going to get on my soapbox just for a minute, and it's one of my pet peeves, is when I have Christian couples coming into my counseling office, and the husband oftentimes, in all his masculine nobility and protectorhood, is fighting to save his marriage. That sounds so noble, sounds so honorable, and I, you know, I get sucked in every now and then, and then all of a sudden I see, yeah, he wants to protect his marriage, He's fighting for it, but he's not fighting for the relationship with his wife. He's not investing anything in his relationship with his spouse. He's fighting to keep the shame of divorce off of him. He's fighting to not have to go to the courts and have divorce stamped in an official document ending the relationship. That's what he's fighting for. He's not fighting for the relationship that he has with his spouse. Matter of fact, many times he doesn't even like her. And this religious facade just makes me want to throw up of I'm fighting for my marriage. Don't give me that. Are you willing to humble yourself to learn how to love your spouse the way God loves your spouse? If you do, then you're on your road to oneness. And that oneness will bring glory 
to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, I get off my soapbox. The first petition of the Father to the Father that Jesus has is he says, I want those you have given me. <laughs> he says, the ones you gave me, I want to keep them. I want them to be with me where I am. Okay, we're going to look at some verses about that in just a second. Jesus wants the ones that the Father has given to him. And if you've received Jesus Christ in your heart, you're one of the ones that he gave to his son. And now his son has asked his father, the ones that you initiated, the ones that you gave me, I want to be with me where I am. Now that's not a temporal thing about when we die and go to heaven. That's right now. That's now and for eternity. He wants us to be with him right now. Okay. The second thing I read because he wants us to be with him now so we can see his glory. So in his whisper today, today, October 4th is a great day. If you haven't read your devotionals, get on it. Let your life illustrate the glory of my presence within you. What's your life going to illustrate? The glory of my presence within you. You are a conduit of my Holy Spirit, a releaser of heaven to earth, don't allow yourself to become stagnant by resisting what I want to do through you. You are meant to flow with me, to do the impossible by the limitless power of my spirit alive inside of you. My nature has become your nature. Whoa. We continue to be transformed continually into the likeness of Christ. When you live in my harmonious union with me, continually aware of my voice within you, you do things many others neglect to do. Sometimes I remind you of someone who you normally don't think about because they need prayer or a friend to reach out to them. Other times you'll see someone when you're out and about and be drawn to them, even though you don't know them. Let my compassion flow through you. Maybe they need a prayer, a smiling face, or a moment to connect with someone. When you make yourself available to me, paying attention to the thoughts and ideas that rise within you, and then acting on them, you are walking in unity with me. Oneness. Oneness. Mm. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. When? What's the time stamp on this? Absolutely. Many of us look at that and say, yeah, someday I'll be seated with Christ and I can't wait till I get there and I'll take my seat, you know, with Jesus. No, you in the spirit realm, it once again, going back to how does the infinite come into the finite? It's by entering into the spirit realm, into his kingdom. 
So in the heavenly realms in Christ, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable rich, riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 3, the first four verses in the New Living Translation says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth, for you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Hmm. That's something to say amen to. Now, just in case you're wondering, I wonder how that reads in the Passion Translation. I, I knew you were probably going to wonder that. This is how it reads in the Passion. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life and now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. Preposition in again, in God, in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed, for you are now one with him in his glory. Yes. When are you one with him in his glory? Now. Now. Wow. Wow, now. Mm -hmm. Second petition. Second petition in this section that Jesus is praying. He says, righteous father, and here's what he says, the world doesn't know you, but I know you. <laughs> and they know that you have sent me. And it's by the knowledge of knowing that Father God has sent Jesus to the earth in their interaction with Jesus as he was walking, his disciples know that. And now we know that from hearing their message. We know that the Father so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, John 3, 16. And so we know that the Father has sent his Son. And as a result of that, Jesus says, now I have made you known to them. They know who you are, Father. The secret's out. I am the exact representation of you, your nature, your person. Mm -hmm. Now this is the next one that I love. And I will continue to make you known. You don't have all of, all of the revelation. You don't have all of everything that you're going to receive if you'll stay in a hungry, thirsty posture. If you stay in a position of receptivity, there is more and more that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit want to reveal to us. Yes. Why? She says, in order that the love that you have for me may be in them. 
The reason Jesus keeps revealing the Father to us is because he wants us to see how much the Father loves him and that the love that the Father has for him, when we see it in another person and we see how he loves, then Jesus can help us understand that's the way he loves you. The full love that the Father has for his only begotten Son, he has for us as his adopted sons and daughters. And the last thing he says, that I myself may be in them, in them. I want you to just encourage you to start looking for him. If, if he and, and Father are really, really serious about us getting what oneness is, he wants us to realize that our oneness is out of our relationship of being in him and he and us. So we'll close with the passion translation of this section of the prayer. And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all of those who will believe one day in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them. Amen. So that they will experience perfect unity, and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Father, I ask that you allow everyone that you have given to me to be with me, where I am. Then they will see my full glory, the very splendor you have placed upon me because you loved me even before the beginning of time. You are my righteous father, but the unbelieving world has never known you in the perfect way that I know you. And all those who believe in me also know that you have sent me. I have revealed to them that you are who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will now live in them even as I live in them. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this incredible recording of the prayer that Jesus prayed before he was arrested. We thank you for the beauty. We thank you for the truth. And Father, I pray that it is something that we don't appreciate intellectually, but it's something that we encounter experientially. I pray, Father, that we would know the glory of oneness that we would understand the extent of the love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so come and be for us what you desire to be.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.